Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. We are starting a new sermon series today out of the book of Daniel. This sermon series is called All In. The book of Daniel is about the kingdom of Israel when they were captured by the Babylonian Empire and taken captive and then removed from Jerusalem all the way back to live in Babylon. They were in exile. And it's about how these heroes of the faith um, lived with faithful endurance even while they were in exile in Babylon, a nation that was against God and against God's ways. And yet we still had people who were for God and lived in God's ways and sometimes to their detriment. Sometimes it was life-threatening to live there. Believe it or not, this is our story too. Why else would we pray the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if God's will wasn't already taking place in the nation we lived? No, we are actually the same as we actually have similarities with the Daniel story because we are a people in exile. Jesus Christ claimed that his kingdom is not of this world. We're still waiting for his kingdom to arrive. We are still trying to bring out his will, his kingdom into the areas of responsibility that we have. And that's why the book of Daniel and the story of their exile and how they remain faithful is so relevant for us today. Listen, uh, giving your all and giving all in to God is difficult. Storming the gates of hell is dangerous. Surrendering your life to Christ is demanding. And we need encouragement and hope from God to be able to do those things. And we also need his empowerment. We get that from the book of Daniel. That's what we're going to be today as we study how we can remain faithful and how we can be all in on God's ways, even in the midst of exile, even in a nation that is pressuring us to compromise our faith or faith or even abandon our faith, when we're feeling that pressure and we're feeling uh, the pressure of er all society telling us we should not believe in Jesus Christ, Daniel helps us to remain faithful. And it's not maybe what you think it is. The reason why we are able to remain faithful from chapter one of Daniel is because of the sovereign attributes of God. God is the hero in this story, and Daniel 1 sets that up. Over the next 12 weeks, we're going to study the book of Daniel and how we can remain faithful based on the the hero that is our God and Father. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, and we will get started. I'm going to read and kind of give a little bit of commentary on Daniel 1 as we get as we um, uh, approach this book, Daniel chapter 1 is an introductory chapter uh, to the whole book of Daniel. It tells us what it's going to be about. It tells us who the hero is, and it points us to uh, the sovereignty, uh, the control, the lordship of God over all of life. And and what what we find when we read Daniel is that God is our hero that we need to turn to and trust. What we're going to find when we read Daniel chapter 1 today uh, is how God is the hero and how God has sovereign attributes, lordship over earth and over us that we need to rely on to remain faithful. And I want you to notice two things, two things from chapter one about God, his, his sovereign attributes, um, his, his lordship. That's what sovereignty means, lordship over. Uh, and God lords, he is the Lord over all the world, and he is even the Lord over us. I want you to see two of his attributes 
attributes that go along with his lordship. Number one, God gives. And the second one I want you to see is God outlives. Now, th- these two are important. God gives and God outlives. And we'll see if we see it in Daniel chapter one. Let's read. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Verse 2, this is God giving. God gives. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his God. Back in uh, this, this day, when countries would go into battle, they would also have in their the back of their minds that their gods were battling. And so anytime one nation won a decisive victory over another nation, they would say, my God is bigger than your God. And they would capture some of the artifacts or the holy items out of the, the God's temple and take it back to their own temple, kind of like uh, victory trophies, to prove that their God was better. Now, for Daniel and his family and for the people of the kingdom of God, when this happened, they had to have been asking the question, is our God really God? Is Yahweh really the ruler over all uh, the world and over all other gods? Because it seemed and appeared at this time that uh, their God had lost. But don't miss verse 2 where it said, God gave, God delivered Jehoiakim over to Babylon. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, a chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service." This was also a usual practice of battling nations during this time. They would take the best of the nobility and the best of the wise men from a rival nation. They would bring them over, brainwash them in the ways of their society, and then potentially send them back to be vassals, to be uh, statesmen that they had trained, or keep them um, in their own kingdom because they trained them up to, to rule. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, we'll notice first, right off the bat, that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were captured. They were taken out of their homes. They were relocated to a new nation. They were going to be taught a new uh, way of living, a new language, uh, new literature, um, even uh, taught things about the Babylonian gods. And um, it says here, learn the ways of the Babylonians. They were actually learning how to be the wise men and the magicians, how to read fortunes and omens and stars, all of that the Babylonians believed that belonged to other demons and other uh, false gods. And they had to learn these things. And so, and then finally they got new names. Talk about trying to brainwash uh, students. That's kind of what society does sometimes. That's what the Babylonian society was doing. Have you noticed any of that going on in our society, brainwashing? 
Verse 8, and here is uh, something that we have, the Christian church has celebrated for years. This is the main reason the Sunday school lesson is taught from chapter 1. It is verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Verse 9, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat their royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. Just as a side note, uh, that ten-day period would later become a symbol in all Jewish literature, especially, especially apocryphal literature or literature about the end, end times, um, that ten days would be a symbol of a period time of testing. Um, for Daniel, it seemed to be a real 10, literal 24-hour days. Later in apocryphal literature, like Revelation, 10 days is a symbol representing a period of time of testing. Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took them away, took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, I don't know if you could see it in chapter 1. This was an introduction that is setting up the entire book of Daniel, but it's setting up as God as the ruler, working behind the scenes, working in front of the scenes, working uh, internationally, and working interpersonally. And then it also sets up our four main heroes that are going to appear in the stories of this book to kind of reveal how to live out and, and how to have faithful endurance in exile. And I think it'll comfort us and encourage us and give us the courage to live out all in on God's ways, even while we are in a nation that seems and appears to not want to have anything to do with God. And the reason why we can be all in, all in on God's ways, is because of his sovereign attributes. And I'm going to give you two of them. God gives and God outlives. If you're taking notes, write those two things down. Write down God gives and God outlives. If you want to underline in your Bible, you can underline, underline uh, chapter 1 of Daniel, verse 2, verse 9, and verse uh, 17, and verse 21. And those will explain God gives and God outlives. First, uh, God gives. Now, this is really important that we see this. God gives the place and time where people live. God works in such a way in all the history of the earth, and he foresees down the corridor of time, and he plans out in a way that brings about his will where exactly we are supposed to live and the time we're supposed to live there. 
Now, that is hard for us to believe, but it is really true. I, I like how Daniel chapter 1, verse 2 sets up this idea that God is in complete control over where we live and where we uh, grow up and even the time when it happens. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, this is verse 2, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. See, Nebuchadnezzar would brag about how he had won the victory and how, uh, and he would think he was the one who determined where these exiles went, but really it was God who caused the exile. He had promised uh, the people of Israel way back in Deuteronomy, way back when they were just starting off as a nation, he said, if you go after and you follow after other gods, there will be an exile for you. Other nations will come over and destroy your land and take you captive. And then he warned them with uh, seven different prophets and in, in uh, three or four different uh, parts of the Old Testament scripture, the Torah that he wrote, every time he said, if you go after and you worship other gods, you will be taken over by other nations. I will send another nation. I will even send Babylon to come pull, uh, push my judgment on you. And they didn't take the warning. They didn't take the warning seriously. And so God brought in the nation of Babylon to punish the nation of Israel for their sins of idolatry. God was the one who designed Daniel and his friends to be in exile in Babylon. God sets up our times too. I don't know where this video sermon is finding you, but God has established all through scripture that he is in charge of where you are and the time and place that you live. Paul says it uh, like this in Acts chapter 17. This is Acts chapter 17, verse 24. When Paul was preaching to uh, the people in, uh, in the empire of Rome, he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself give every, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out, listen, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and to find him, though he's not far from any one of us. God gives our time and place where we are to live. It happens in Daniel chapter 1. Paul preaches it in Acts chapter 24. It is written about all through history that we are exactly in the culture, in the place, at the exact time God wants us to be. And then here is the dangerous part. Here's the part where we have to be all in. Here's the demanding part. God doesn't call us to withdraw from the culture. He calls us to be in the culture, but not of the culture. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10 that he is sending us out into the world as sheep among wolves. He says, the world is so dangerous. Your culture is going to be so dangerous around you. Uh, you're going to be like the gentle lamb, like he is, like Jesus is the lamb, among savage wolves. So Jesus gave us that responsibility, and then he gives us the instruction, be a shrewd as snakes, but innocent as doves. You're gonna, he mixes his metaphors there, but I'm not going to tell Jesus how to teach. You're going to be a sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. 
We have to live with wisdom in our culture. Now, I know some of my Christian friends, they're withdrawing from culture. One of my Christian friends just, uh, he, he called me and told me the other day, he said, we just got this great book. It's called Live Not By Lies. And I, I like that book too. And one of the, one of the things the author calls for Christians to do is to actually withdraw from society. But that goes exactly against what Jesus commands. Jesus commands us to go into the society, but be innocent. Go into this society, be shrewd. Go into this society and watch out because there's going to be savage wolves that are going to kill you if you're not careful. They'll definitely pressure you to compromise your faith. But Jesus doesn't say we are to withdraw from the world. In fact, his prayer in John chapter 17 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. See, God gives you the time and place where you're supposed to live, and then he gives you the power to live there to influence people around you. And we do that with the way we live and the way we love. And because God has planned exactly for where you are to live and what part of history you're supposed to live in and what culture you're supposed to live in, he also has foreseen where you're going to be pressured to compromise your faith or even give up your faith. So he'll give you a way out of temptation and he'll even redeem anything he allows. This is what Paul, this is what enabled Paul to say, you know, when I weigh what's going on and the pressures I face and the dangers I face and even the suffering I face, when I weigh that against the glory I will receive for obeying and being faithful to God, the glory far outweighs the suffering. He said, because the glory far outweighs the suffering, I can count the suffering as not that important compared to what I'm going to receive as a reward. God has called us to be all in with him and his ways to faithfully endure in the culture we live in. And God promises to be with us wherever we find ourselves, wherever he has planned for us to be and to empower us to live there. And that's the next thing God gives. See, God gives our time and place, but he also gives us exactly what we need to succeed. For Daniel in chapter one, I love this part. Verse nine, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Verse 17 says it this way, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. God gave, God gave, God gave. God gives us exactly what we need to succeed exactly what we need to be all in for God's ways, exactly what we need to remain faithful to him in exile, in a nation that is against him. God gives us exactly what he needs. For Daniel, God gave them favor and wisdom. That's what they needed to, to live. So when the king's food came Daniel's way, uh, Daniel wasn't defiled by getting a new name. And Daniel wasn't defiled by learning how that culture lives. And Daniel wasn't defiled by being taken captive and put in a refugee camp, uh, you know, far, far, far from his home. Daniel wasn't defiled by knowing that his uh, old home was destroyed. He wasn't defiled by knowing that a lot of his friends died. Daniel drew the line where his defilement might happen. And with wisdom, Daniel saw that if he ate the king's food, some reason, some it doesn't explain why in Daniel chapter 1, but that food, the king's food, was going to defile him. It was going to um, not allow him to remain faithful to God. So God gave him exactly what he needed so he could live in God's ways. He gave him favor and wisdom. So the guards looked on favor with Daniel. So he was able to approach them and say, can we eat something different? Well, the 
the the head official said no because he was scared of the king. He would die if the king caught him disobeying a command. But the lower official, the one that actually served the food, then Daniel went to him and said, and, and Daniel had favor from that official as well. And Daniel said, can we try something different? Can we just try vegetables and water instead of the king's food and just test us and see if we see what happens at the end of the time and then we'll go with whatever you say. That was real wisdom. I think a lot of times uh, in our culture, as we want to fight back and try to hold fast to what we believe is right and what we believe God's word says, a lot of times I think Christians, um, and I'm going to have to include myself in here, I don't think we use wisdom. I think a lot of times we end up using the the fighting tactics of this world rather than the fighting tactics of God. And God says we have to use discernment. We have to use wisdom. We have to stand firm with truth, but we have to do it with gentleness and love and grace. And that's very difficult to do. See, when we sell out and we give all into God, when we um, say we're going to surrender our entire life to Jesus Christ, it is demanding. But God gives us exactly what we need to succeed. In fact, he gave us more than favor and wisdom that he gave Daniel. See, God has given us Jesus Christ, he has given us his Bible, and he has given us the Holy Spirit. When God gives us Jesus Christ, that's really all we need to remain faithful. Jesus showed us exactly how to live. He showed us how to remain faithful while he was in exile. Is there any more, is there any person that experienced more exile than Jesus who leaves heaven and leaves the glory he deserves and the worship he deserves and comes to earth as a human and comes to earth leaving a throne to a manger and comes to earth leaving uh, glory and praise to hide his glory behind his humanity and live in the filth and poverty of Mary and Joseph. There, there is no greater exile, a person living in a foreign land than Jesus and there's no better example of someone who grows in wisdom and stature in favor with both God and man by never, ever compromising his faith. Jesus shows us how to live. He shows us how to be all in, and he shows us how to remain faithful in exile. Not only that, but Jesus also reveals God's love for us through his sacrifice, his death, and his resurrection. If you want to know how much God loves you, you just have to meditate and think about Jesus when Jesus died in your place for your sins, when he died in my place for my sins and was buried and then three days later rose from the dead, he shows me that God loves me, that God has a plan where I can be forgiven and that I can now be have eternal life just like Jesus has eternal life and be resurrected from the dead just like Jesus was resurrected from the dead. God gives me everything I need to be encouraged and have hope and have comfort and uh, have courage to live for him in this world. And it's all in Jesus Christ. But grace upon grace, God gives us more. He also gives us his word. Uh, the scripture is a way for us to know exactly who God is and how God thinks. It, is, uh, it reveals to us God's plan of salvation and God's plan for the end of time where his kingdom does last forever and all the other kingdoms of this world are taken away. God has given us Jesus and he's also given us his word to know him. But grace upon grace, he's given us more. He's also empowered us with his Holy Spirit. The scripture tells us that when we entrust ourselves to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. The Holy Spirit helps us understand God. It helps us understand the scripture. It empowers us to live it out. It uh, gives us um, 
uh, opens our eyes to what is true and gives us discernment to live with wisdom and um, how to live with faithful endurance in exile. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. See, God has given us even more than what he gave Daniel. God only gave Daniel favor and wisdom. For us, he has given us Jesus himself with us all, all to eternity. He's given us his word, and he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can understand what wisdom is. See, a lot of times uh, we try to live all in in this world without relying on God. But because he's given us Jesus, the word, and the Holy Spirit, he actually is telling us that we can hear from him. We can know exactly how to act in this world to remain faithful and give him glory. For Daniel, it was in verse 8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked for permission, see how he used wisdom there, to eat something else and not to defile himself this way. Now, in the story of Daniel, some people have taken that one verse and they've turned it into a whole theology. Um, and it might be more healthy for you to only eat vegetables and water. And uh, that doesn't sound like a terrible diet. But we learn from Jesus later in the New Testament that what goes into our mouths is not what defiles us. We learn from Paul later that the kingdom of heaven is not about eating and drinking, but about righteousness and peace and living in step with the Spirit. And so the principle behind verse 8 of Daniel chapter 1 is something we can use but we can't use Daniel's technique. Daniel's technique was an old covenant food law that if he ate certain foods, he would be defiled. We're not under that covenant anymore. We're under a new covenant. And so, but the principle of not to defile ourselves, to live with wisdom, and to honor God with our lives, that principle still remains from Daniel. And so what we need is favor and wisdom to be able to carry out that principle in today's culture. And God tells us that if we listen to him, if we read the scripture, if we meditate on Jesus Christ, we will actually hear from him and be able to discern how to live. Now, here's how you do that. If you want to hear from God, I'll give you a couple of ways that you can learn to hear from God. Number one, you have to read his word. This is the most clear way that God communicates to us. And he will speak to us and tell us how he thinks and how he wants us to live just by reading this word. See, I think, and we have to spend time here reflecting on it. For example, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Okay, if we read that and we don't spend any time with it, we uh, might uh, automatically assume that what God wants us to do is not to eat the royal food and not to drink wine, but only eat vegetables and water. But when we start reflecting on it a little bit and thinking about it, what we see here in Scripture is that that culture, that was what determines whether they were holy or unholy. But in our culture, that's not what determines what is holy and unholy. So we start reflecting on it and thinking about it, and we realize that the principle behind Daniel's technique was to honor God with all of our lives. And we can do that by hearing from God from His Word. The more we read the word and reflect on it, the more we're going to hear from God and understand the way he thinks and how he wants us to live. Then he empowers us with the Holy Spirit to be able to have discernment with the events and uh, the circumstances in our life that God is speaking to us through and that never disagrees with what the Bible says. Here's another, here's another way to hear from God. Uh, when we, Jesus says that we are his sheep and his sheep hear his voice. 
And this is really important. When we hear the voice of God, when we read the word of God, he will never, never, ever command us or prompt us to do something that is sinful that goes along with the the sin of the flesh. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says we have to walk in step with the Spirit, but not in step with our evil desires. And so um, he tells us what the evil desires of the of our flesh, of our own sin, is going to look like. And he, and Jesus' voice will never sound like this. So Jesus, when we're when we're listening to Jesus, when we're praying to him, when we're reading the scripture, and we get promptings from the Holy Spirit on how to live, Jesus will never sound like this. He will never command us or tell us or prompt us to have sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, or orgies. Jesus will never command us to go any in that realm of sin. But on the other hand, Jesus will command us to have the fruit of the Spirit, and he will command us to take actions that develop the fruit of the Spirit or reveal the fruit of the Spirit to others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we're reading the scripture, when we're listening to God, he will really talk to us. He will really tell us how he wants us to live and remain faithful. And when he does, it will be an increase in our comfort level and in our peace with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. We have to determine where we are going to be defiled in our culture and how we are going to honor God in our culture. But the Word of God tells us what the principles are we're going to need to look for to make sure we are living in God's way. I need to ask, are you all in for God? Because when He calls you and when He tells you what to do, uh, it will be peace in your heart, but it may be very demanding of your time, your energy, your money, and your commitment. When we surrender to God, it is demanding. When we storm the gates of hell with our love and faithfulness and grace, it is dangerous. And when uh, we go all in for God, it is difficult. But he has given us the time and place, and he has empowered us with exactly what we need to do it. God gives. Um, Number two, God outlives. This is so comforting to me, and I want to point it out, and I think maybe we wouldn't see it, except uh, he mentions it here at the end of chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 21. This Now remember, chapter 1 sets up the entire rest of the book, but it also sets up us to remain hopeful. Daniel chapter 1, verse 21 says, And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. See, God's ways and God himself outlives all empires. It was so difficult for the people of Israel to be exiled to Babylon that forever after that, they, they, they call any nation that sets itself up against God or any nation that, um, that persecutes the Jewish people, they call that nation Babylon. Babylon left such a mark on them and they, they hated the Babylonian exile so much. They were so embarrassed and ashamed of it and they were so hurt by it and they were so disgusted by the Babylonian uh, evil that any nation from here on out for all time is called Babylon. Even when John was writing in Revelation, when he was writing in code talking about the Roman Empire, he called it Babylon. But here we see in verse 21, Daniel outlived the empire of Babylon. 
the Persian Empire came in and took over what Babylon ruled. And now King Cyrus of Persia is ruling the entire world, not Babylon anymore. This is key for us to see and key for us to remember. Daniel outlived the empire. God outlives all empires. He's the one that raises up nations and disposes nations. He's the one that raises up kings and disposes kings. He's the one that raises up our political leaders and gets rid of our political leaders. And what is so encouraging and hope-filled about this verse is that God is still ruling and raising up and disposing of nations now, and he outlives them all. His ways outlive all nations. Daniel lived through and influenced uh, both the Babylonian kingdom and the Persian kingdom. I don't know how far his influence goes, but I know, I, here's, here's what I was thinking. I, this, is, this, uh, this thought has occurred to me. Daniel was trained to be a wise man. He was a wise man over the Babylonian empire, and he was a wise man over the Persian empire. He, it doesn't say that he sinned and participated in the astrology or the um, future telling or the divination or the magic of the other wise men of these nations and their gods. But he had influence over those wise men. And it wasn't too many centuries later that wise men from the east saw a star and they said their prophecies told of a king that would be coming with that star. Remember that? When Jesus was born, the Magi from the East, who's to say that those Magi, those wise men, were not influenced by Daniel's uh, being in charge of all the wise men of Babylonian, Babylon and Persia, and he was the one who left that little bit of prophecy for them to read and be looking for, for when the king, the Messiah, was going to arrive. See, Daniel had influence. God's ways have influence. And God's ways and his influence outlives any nation and outlives any kingdom. There is no nation or kingdom or society or culture that is going to win over the culture and society and kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will prevail. God's people will prevail. And Daniel, just like he outlived one nation, we are promised, just like Daniel outlived the nation of Babylon into the next nation, we are promised that if we are in Christ, if we have faithful endurance, we will outlive all the nations on this earth and be brought into the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is here now, partially, but substantially. But there will come a day when Jesus comes back and his kingdom is brought into the whole world and pushes out all the other nations where only God's kingdom remains. We get to be a part of that. And we're called to have faithful endurance until that time happens. The reason why we can have faithful endurance, the reason why we can continue to live for God, the reason why we can be all in for God is because He gives and He outlives. He gives us our time and place to live. He gives us exactly what we need to have faithful endurance here, and His ways are going to outlive all other societies, nations, cultures, anything, because His kingdom is going to reign forever. This is how we're going to remain faithful. This is why we can be all in. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at Daniel and other reasons why we can be all in. And they're going to keep pointing back to God's glory and his plan and his kingdom. But in the meantime, there are ways we can be all in. And so uh, we, are, we are seeking to be all in for God. And we are calling you to make a decision to be all in for God. Here's how the decisions work. 
If you haven't committed to Christ, we call you to be all in. We're going to have a baptism Sunday at the end of August. If you have not taken the step of baptism, if you have not decided to be all in for God, we want you to make that decision that day and do it. And we don't want you to wait. We want you to do it now. But if you need a date, the end of August, we're going to have an all in Sunday. Maybe you've never placed your membership with any church. You've never committed to a local congregation that you're going to be a part of, that you're going to be held accountable to, and that you get to hold accountable to the ways of God. We want you to be all in. And so on the end of August, we're going to have an all-in Sunday where you can place your membership with the Wilmington Church of Christ. You can do that online or in person. And we have uh, instructions on how to be an online church member and how to be an in-person church member. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've already committed to Christ. Well, we are calling you to make a decision. Are you going to be all-in and serving His kingdom? There are places to serve in this church where you can help carry each other's burdens, where you can hold us accountable, where you can help teach each other, where you can love each other, where you can give grace and wisdom to one another. We have service areas in our church when we need people to serve. Uh, but really, you need to serve to be part of your responsibility being all in on the kingdom. We have places for you to serve. And that all-in Sunday, we want you to choose a spot where you're going to share your gifts with other people in service. It gives God glory, and it's a way to remain faithful. And uh, finally today, I'm just going to mention this last one. We want you to be all in. We want you to be connected with a community of believers. You need to be in a small group. You need to be among a group of other Christians who will love you, who will offer you forgiveness, will remind you of the gospel of Jesus Christ, will give you grace, and then teach you how to give that same love and forgiveness and grace to others. You can only do that when you're in a group of other Christians, a small enough group where you can learn each other's name, where you can learn each other's uh, hearts, and where you're able, close enough, where you can trust each other to confess your sin and offer the forgiveness Jesus Christ offers. Remind each other of the, of the forgiveness Jesus Christ offers. We want you to pick a small group and be all in come August as well. One, one last thing. I was going to end it there, but I want to I give you one last thing. Oh. Those small groups that start meeting in August, we have some small group training material for just for you, for the people who want to be all in, for, for the people who don't want to just sit through Sunday morning, for the person who doesn't want to have their faith stop with when you turn on the internet and when you turn off your computer to end the worship service. We want you to be all in. We have material that is dangerous and demanding and difficult but it allows you to push through to be all in for God. And that small group material is going to be released at the end of August when the people who choose to be all in get to choose to put their money where their mouth is. They choose to walk the talk and not just talk the walk. Uh, they choose to be all in for Jesus Christ. That's coming up, and it's a decision you need to make. If you're ready to make a decision today, we don't want you to have to wait. Uh, you can make that decision today. Fill out a connection card, and we'll help you find a group. We'll help you get baptized. We can even start you on that uh, walk with Jesus Christ where you get to do more than just sit through worship service. But be thinking about and praying about that decision you need to make to be all in. Jesus has given us, Jesus has given us one way to remind ourselves that we are all in, and it's called communion. Would you get out your bread and your cup? Doesn't this bread remind us how Jesus was all in, in obedience with God, willing, as he prayed in the garden, your will be done, not mine. And then he went to a sacrificial death. He was all in. He took the difficult, dangerous, demanding route 
to his glory. And now Jesus' name is lifted above all names because he obeyed Jesus, because he obeyed God. And now this bread reminds us that he died for us and he calls us to that same demanding, dangerous lifestyle of being all in for Jesus. But the bread also empowers us to live that way by reminding of his, us of his sacrifice and reminding us that he's going to come back and get us. Would you participate in the bread? And take out your cup. This cup reminds us that his blood covers over all of our sin so that we are forgiven and we have eternal life. We are a child of God. This reminder empowers us to live all in for Jesus Christ. Because he gave his all for us, we can be all in for him. Would you participate in the cup? Thank you, Jesus, for that reminder. Let me pray for us, and that will conclude our lesson for today. God, I'm so thankful that this cup reminds us of the sacrifice that you made for us, where you're all in. Lord, and now you are calling us with that same reminder, the cup and the bread, the bread and the cup, to be all in for you. I'm so thankful you were faithful and obedient to us, um, uh, faithful and obedient to God for us, even when we were not. I'm so thankful you reveal your love to us, even when we were enemies of you, even when we were far from you. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you give us this reminder, this encouragement, uh, this faithful reminder, the bread and the cup, that uh, you are calling us to live up to that new standard, the standard where we give all to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a good rest of the day and be thinking about that decision. All in for Jesus. We want to help you take your next best step. If you would like more information about how to do that, visit us online at wcconline.org and fill out a Connect card. If this message has inspired you, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget to keep up with us on social media. Thanks again for joining.